Hello, into creative aging minds. <laughs> so, I have received quite a few inquiries and people just wanting to share their comments with me, which is just amazing, thank you. But what the inquiries and comments are, in addition to the topics and what people are enjoying, which I'm so excited to hear, because you never know. But um, I'm, I'm getting told how much people love my profile picture on this podcast. And obviously I do too, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't have picked it. Um, so thank you to those who have reached out and, and shared your feedback with me, and thank you to those who haven't but are still enjoying it. And part of the inquiries are either asking or assuming that the older woman in this picture with me is my grandma. And the answer is, for those inquiring minds, Dun, 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 dun. No, it's not. <laughs> that is a lovely, lovely lady that I've had the honor and the privilege to work with while I was in Naples, who is reaching 100, 100 years old. And she is who I aspire to be. It is amazing to see this woman who would come with her hats and her sunglasses and her fashion and her makeup and her purses and just loving life. And how was this woman thriving so well at 100? You guessed it. She was engaged in her life and creativity. This is a woman who just loved being, she loved being a woman and being feminine and she loved swimming and she loved going on outings and she loved shopping and she loved fashion and she loved being social and participating in the events that she could participate in. This woman had a social schedule unlike any other I've ever seen. And she loved art. And she would come in and say, now I'm not an artist, I can't do this and I don't care. I'm just here to have fun. That's my woman. And she truly was a force. And if I'm lucky, I'm lucky to live that long I hope to God I am like her and that is the that's the testimony of what a mindset which I kept emphasizing over and over my last podcast can do focusing on the positives of life and that she did so I felt when I came across this picture there were several I was debating but that one really captured the essence of what I felt that this podcast was about and the theme and just the inspiration and the hope that I hope that this is providing. So that's the story behind that. And with that, I'd like to dedicate this uh, session to this particular population of who I got to work with. So back in Southwest Florida, I had a very small practice. And at the time, I was, work I was working full-time at the research center, and the neuropsychiatrist that I worked for was from Johns Hopkins. Um, who was, man, talk about a force, who tragically, I'm digressing here, passed away from ALS in July of 2018. And I had no idea the profound effect that it, it the impact that it would have on me until, until he got diagnosed, until it happened. He was not always a walk in the park. The man was, the man could be super difficult, but he ran a tight ship and, um, he expected nothing but the best and excellence. 
but he also championed education. And so he advocated and championed my work. And he would say, you want to go speak at a conference, go. You know, if, yeah, if somebody wants to fly you out and go talk, go do it. You want to go teach at some college or university, go do it. You want to have a practice, you know, go do it. As long as, of course, you're keeping up with your demands at the research center, because I was, you know, one of their primary clinicians and director of education, research associate, all that fun stuff. And I loved it. I loved both the art therapy, but also loved the research. So I was at, I was at my capacity. I had my, my practice that I wanted, and I had my, my research that I was doing, and I got the best of both worlds. And then one day I get a phone call, and this was from a wellness director out of Naples who says, you were referred to me by Clark, Pol Clark Pollard. He was the CEO or is the CEO of the Alzheimer's uh, Support Network in Naples, Florida. And he told me, you absolutely need an art therapist, and I know who you need to go to because your residents deserve the best. Thank you, Clark. <laughs> so she calls me up, and I'm saying, yeah, we can meet, but I'm pretty much at my capacity for taking on new clients. But she's like, I'm new. I, I really, really would like to meet you. Clark was just insisting that we meet, and everything he said about you, I'm just I'm so excited to please meet you. Will you please meet with me? So I caved in, yes, I'll meet with you. And I drove further than I normally drive. It was way out in East Naples and uh, find the place which was an assisted living facility and I meet with her and she's telling me her goals and what she strives to do and then she talks about how she got the job which I thought was was really cool and I'm going to share this with you because for those of you who are in the field or for those who are looking for a community to place your loved one or you're looking for a place to go yourself look at the calendar look at the activities calendar because that activity director that wellness director is one of the most important people in that entire facility hands down so she was meeting with the don the the, uh, the don <laughs> the director of nurses and uh, the director of nurses the don the don says to her why should i hire you in the interview process and she said because next to you I'm the, one of the most important people in this job and the DON is a little taken back by that but at first she was kind of like wow how dare you you're just activities but then she thought about it she was a little turned off in the beginning but then she I guess she she uh, she thought about it kind of sat on it the next day she offered her the job and for those who are activity directors and wellness directors, thank you. Thank you for what you do. And I hope that you're going above and beyond because it is not an easy job, and I know that. But I also know you are the heart and soul of that community. And I will often hear, we don't have a budget. When I'm looking at trying to bring meaning and dignity and respect into my resident's life, it's difficult because I don't have the budget to bring in the supplies and the people that I need. And that's a travesty. And that's a crisis, and that's a problem in this country. Because any corporation that's banking it, and you know you are, you're, you know, you're making eight, anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars out a month out of pocket. Because most of you don't take insurance. You should be pumping a lot of that funding into your activities, because that is the heart and soul of your residents' happiness and quality of life. So I will tell families, and I will tell couples when you're shopping for a community, a place to live that you're going to call your home, 
you want to ask for the activity schedule and you want to meet the activity director because you want to know how invested are you in my mental health care and my quality of life. If you're seeing the same activity being disguised under different titles, that's a problem. You want to make sure that things are mixed up. And are you using professionals? Are you actually using a music therapist who's actually registered? Are you using a registered art therapist? Are you using a dance or movement therapist or aroma? Are you having pet therapy? What types of things are you doing for your residents? Now, I know I can't compete with bingo. That's, that's I, 18 years, I know I, can never, <laughs> I cannot compete with bingo. I get it. But uh, are you sitting around folding baby clothes and laundry on a constant basis? Or working giant puzzles on a constant basis and that's about it? Or coloring in a coloring book? That's a children's coloring book, not an adult coloring book, by the way. Those are things we want to look at because if you're an activity director and that's what you're offering, shame on you. One of the things that this, we need to start thinking about is our, your, when you invest in another person's life and quality, you're also investing your own life and quality. How do you want to be treated? How do you want to be cared for when and if you get to make it to this age? We have no cure for Alzheimer's disease right now. We have no cure for FTD or Parkinson. We have no cure for many diseases out there. And the numbers are only amplifying and the numbers are only growing. So instead of warehousing people and tucking them away with a locked facility, locked doors, even those that are in assisted living that may not have a dementia form, bring meaning into the world, bring meaning into the life. It's a it's a sharing experience. It's a give and take, and I guarantee you're going to learn just as much from your residents as they're going to learn from you. In fact, you may actually learn more. And those are the experiences I've had. If I had to say all the activities that I've witnessed, you know, and I've worked all over the country, and I see activities and I see what's going on, or if I'm doing my private practice, and again, I've been in different facilities throughout the country, I, I, you know, you kind of see that. And you want to make sure we're having dignity. So going back to my place in Naples, I originally did not want to take it on because I was at capacity, and, I, and she was relentless. I, Clark City are the best. You have to have you. Please just give it a try. So I agreed. Okay, you know what? I will come in for one session. Let's see how it does with this one session. And normally I work with adults with um, dementia forms, but in this group, these folks did not have dementia. This was an assisted living community, and these were adults and older adults. Some were in normal aging. They just needed assisted living. You know, they needed medications administered, or they needed help, you know, certain things with their ADLs, activities of daily living. But a good majority of these older adults had developmental disabilities. And then there were an even smaller handful of adults that were living with a chronic illness like schizophrenia and needed that 24-hour care, you know, of a community. And these are the people that I think represent the majority of the population around the country and how we view them. And unfortunately, I feel that these people are viewed by a stigma, and it's not fair, and it's so, so sucks. So my first session in, I come in. They were so excited to see me 
And one man who was an artist was so eager to talk about his paintings and what he did for a living throughout his life and all the work he's done. And some never had art experience before, but just wanted to come and try it. And they really took to me, and I took to them, and I did this session, and it was so wonderful, and we had so much fun. And it was very profound. The things that came out of their artwork and the things that we processed were, were quite deeply profound. And I never forget one of, one of my, favorite, <laughs> my favorite guys. He, um, he was one with a developmental disability with, um, or developmental challenge. Asked me if I was coming back. And they all looked at me eager. This was just a whole group. This was a whole mix of people. And they all said, will you come back? Nobody wants to work with us. They come, but then they, want, they leave. They don't stay. And, of course, I have a bleeding heart, so that completely broke my heart. And I'm like, yes, I'll be back. <laughs> I definitely will be back. So I did. I came back a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And I continued there for the entire two years until I moved up uh, to the Northeast. Temporarily, I will be going back. And they would tell me constantly that they would go on outings, but this is how they would get treated by society. Or even other professionals, professional artists or professional other types of um, therapeutic people would come in and for some reason or another, they would only last maybe a day or two, you know, maybe a week of, you know, two weeks if they were lucky, and they would not come back. They did not want to work with them, and it's heartbreaking. And some of the best memories I have are from here. You know, one woman actually was so inspired to have art and felt that she was, you know, doing really well with it. I came in one day and she says, I, I colored this for you, and it was a, and it was, it was one of those adult coloring book pages. Um, it was a very intricate design that took her weeks and weeks to do because it was colored pencil, and she gave it to me and she wrote on there just thanking me. So I, and I have it, I have it on my refrigerator to this day. It's hanging on my refrigerator. The meanings that we create with each other are so precious and so special. And here we are in this pandemic, and our seniors are pretty much, you know, one of the most vulnerable. And I'm seeing, you know, what are we doing? What are, what are we doing for them? Because all we're hearing are the number of deaths, how they're not underserved, or the CEO doesn't want to wear a mask because they don't want to scare families. It's like, are you, are you effing kidding me? Come on. It's just absurd. You know, I was reading in the New York Times today, this morning actually, about um, a, a senior home facility in the Isle of Skye in Scotland. I think it was very one of the most far east places where they really thought they were going to be protected from the virus. And guess what? They, they are impacted with it. I think it was up to seven people that in their home that succumbed to it. And it's devastating. But the thing that does give me hope and faith in, in humanity, especially for those that are working on the front lines, are those activity directors and are those wellness directors who are going above and beyond. You know, I'm looking at my LinkedIn posts and feeds, and I'm seeing pictures of 
as I said earlier, you can't compete with bingo, but um, there's the residents sitting by each of their door playing bingo. You know, it's social distancing now, or they're having some kind of music fest or some, you know, art therapy intervention. And the happy, the happy faces, you know, the, the, the attempts of trying to empower people and the attempts to build up their residence so that they're not just sitting around stigmatized and especially living in fear. I, oh my God, I can't imagine the fear that they're living in. Even those that are in the throes of dementia. I was reading in the BBC News how there was this couple at home and the woman whose husband was in the throes of Alzheimer's disease, she would find him sitting in front of the TV sobbing. And he wasn't aware of what's happening in the world, but he knew something was wrong because he could sense that there was some uncertainty and anxiety from the reports he was hearing from this, from this news reporter. So she was looking for outlets of what are things we can do as a couple together. Well, let's turn off the news for one, and let's get back to, again, that creativity. What are we doing creative? Making art together, singing together, gardening, going for walks, reminiscing, you know, doing, doing, having those social connections. So for those that are going beyond and above, you are so deeply valued and treasured, and thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Please know what a difference you're making. So on the profile picture, no, that's not my grandmother, but that is an amazing woman pushing 100 who's well over 100 now, thriving in life all because of lifestyle and creativity and a positive mindset. So may we live to be in that and let's put our fears aside and our anxiety aside and just look at some gratitude. Thank you.